0: Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Premier League match number 24 against Leicester City. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. You're sounding better. Yes, yes, I
1: have have recovered from whatever it was that ailed me. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I suppose, uh, I rare, rare can one say that a trip to Lester cures what ails you, but uh, perhaps, perhaps that fit a role. <laughs> I, have, I have to say, I did not actually watch, in spite of our typical ending, I did not actually watch this game in the in the pub. I was not feeling fully up to it, so I did a normal uh, Saturday morning thing where I slept in, made breakfast, and then walked over to my couch and watched the game at home. So,
0: But still live. Still live on Peacock. So. Okay, <laughs> so not a complete departure. Okay, I, I, I was waiting for you I, to say when you said you slept in. I was waiting to hear that you watched the replay. <laughs>
1: no, I I don't think I just on the way. And this is a big difference between you and I on the way I consume sports. I don't think I could do that, especially <laughs> especially knowing maybe knowing how the game played out. I I did make a special exception for the the second half of the Manchester City game because of the nature of the game. But Leicester doesn't wreck. Ra- Leicester doesn't rate that. We won three. three.
0: <laughs> sure, we won. But we can talk about that. Yeah, it makes sense yeah yeah so all right first let's get to a little bit of follow-up so uh the posts that i've been giving regular updates now as we get to each stadium after i first noticed those i think manchester might have been the first one i don't remember oh no it was uh newcastle newcastle was the first one i noticed because they had the black and white striped (laughs) well anyways i haven't known what to call them and so i decided to dig a little bit and I I saw two names. Uh, I will pick the second one. I saw that one seller was calling them net stanchions or net post stanchions or net tension stanchions. It seems like stanchion is kind of a fancy word for an upright post. (laughs) So I'm going to go with net tensioning posts, which also seems like uh, it is another commonly accepted term for those posts that stand up behind the net and keep the box shape of the net in the goal. So that is how I will be referring to them and uh Lester does have three instead of two, and they are color matched so it, it's just interesting because i had I had
1: never really thought about what they were called but having having now seen you write stanchions, I feel like now i've I've heard people say that before, and so that's what I'll probably call that. Okay. But if you want to go with, with posts, as long as we both agree we're talking about the same thing, it's probably
0: fine. <laughs> hey, if, if you feel like you've heard stanchions, that's reason enough for me to say that. And uh, that's what we will standardize on. <laughs> so next, I had asked last week about replays. Um, I was curious about the duration, and I realized over the course of watching this Leicester match why I wasn't clear on the duration when it sounds like it should have always been 15 minutes. That should have been fairly obvious. And I realized it was probably because of the varying viewing habits that I employ. Um, when I'm watching live, obviously I just either mute or leave it as is and walk out of the room. I actually probably typically don't mute it because I'll be listening from another room to hear if if the action's starting again. Um, But then there are other times that I'll be watching a replay, and maybe sometimes I just let it play through and I do something else. Other times I'm watching late at night, and I want to get to bed at some point, so I will skip the halftime show. And so during replays, I will, thinking that it was 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I will do something to the effect of saying hey series skip forward 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever and multiple times I've done that and I'm like whoa 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 and all of a sudden I'm in the 51st minute of gameplay and wondering what the heck is going on and that's but not always and that's why I wasn't sure and I think what's probably going on is I do watch the replays more often than the live matches and that's probably down to how much of the halftime show they edit out or maybe not maybe it's even not just how much of the halftime show they edit out or maybe how much of the whole halftime presentation is commercials that then get edited out and by the time that the replay comes back then <laughs> that's when i actually can start the second half again so um i mean i guess
1: from my perspective you know and this is obviously the diff- this is For me, for years having watched sporting events, we've come to come to the point where I can't, I can't, I I can rewatch like a classic game, or like a game where I know the result and but I enjoyed watching it at the time. But the idea of watching a game that happened earlier that day or the day before, it's just (laughs) that I know the result of. It's just it strikes me as that one just strikes me as I don't know that I could do that because what I'll do is I'd probably just sit around and like read a book and check it out every once in a while. Have we scored yet? No, okay. Oh, no, yeah. It's like wait for the big moments. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I think you know? that's, so, I don't that's know. probably I, the key difference and why you wouldn't do that is you would know the score up front. I don't. Like when I'm watching these... I am just every bit as wrapped as if I were watching it live. Like I really have. I mean, with with some exceptions that we've noted on the show, I really generally don't know what's happening. And it really is. It's almost like I'm. Sometimes it's almost like I'm watching it live from the UK. Like I've time shifted it to to my time zone. Uh, (laughs) So so yeah, which
1: is which would be a really interesting thing to think about because we're we're so conditioned like to watching games here in the morning. But really, it's actually the middle of the afternoon there or even, even midday here is the evening there. And it's obviously it's a very different kind of feel to watch a game in the morning or the middle of the day as opposed to an afternoon or an evening right. in terms of like the, the the mindset you bring to that and how your day has gone to that point. So that's, a, that's kind of an
0: interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. So uh, something else that we were talking about, it's come up a couple of times most recently in the last episode where we've we've talked about how all the referees are English and you've lamented that. And it's something that. Coming to it fresh i don 't really have a position on it, but as I was thinking about it more, trying to figure out how do I feel about it should they bring in uh, international referees what would what would that what what issues might there be? I was thinking about it, and I think where I kind of landed and wanted to get your thoughts on this is we may have a sort of ship of Theseus situation right um, this is a, a philosophical experiment that like a thought experiment that you can do where okay so you have this ship and you need to replace a board on the ship okay you replace that board it's clearly the same ship well if that happens enough times over decades centuries like and to the point where every single board has been replaced is that still the original ship what makes it the ship of theseus right and i'm wondering how many things are left that are really English about the English Premier League? I can imagine early on, the players were English, the owners were English, the stadiums were in England, and pretty much everything, the referees were English. Like, everything top to bottom was probably all English. And as time has gone on, well, we know that there's foreign ownership. We know that a lot of the players are international. Um... What is really left and maybe they feel like having English referees is where they can kind of draw a line in the sand and say, well, no, this is our English league. We will have English referees. Uh, How much of that makes sense to you? No, I, I get I get the point you're making, and
1: I think it's I think it's an interesting and a good one. I mean, really, the big shift away from the well, I shouldn't say that. I think the bulk of the players in the Premier League are still English. I mean, we sort of focus a lot on the big clubs who bring a lot of international players in and they pay them a lots of money. But I mean, the the bulk of the of the English league, the Premier League, are still English players. Okay, Uh, and you can see like their their roster for the World Cup. I mean, they overwhelm. I mean, I think all but one of them, uh, one of the the members of the English national team, plays in the Premier League. OK, Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, it, it really, you'll see it internationally. I mean, yes, there are Spaniards and Brazilians and things like that. But a lot of especially in Europe, the bulk of those team, the big teams is drawn from uh, some of the big leagues, Spain, Germany, Italy, especially uh, as you go lower down the down the the pecking order. You're going to see a lot of those guys who ply their trades in other countries because, you know, I mean, just to take Norway, for example, I mean. With Erling Holland and Martin Odegaard have two of the best players in the world. Uh, they're not going to play in the Norwegian league. They're right. they're going to play. In the, they're gonna play. Yeah, Holland was in Germany last year. Odegaard has played for Real Madrid. They're obviously both in the both in England now. Um, that sort of move away from Englishness or sort of a pure Englishness is partly rooted in the Premier League itself, which has done so well to market itself internationally. But also, I, you know, the money has sort of been a part of that as well if you can afford to bring you know you could play in spain or you could make a lot more money and play in england Mm. uh, you know
0: so is it kind of internationally the default choice that you are presumed to play in your national league but some of the best players will seek employment elsewhere basically is that kind of how it goes um Sort of your 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 home league is
1: your, the league in your home country is probably going to be where you get your start. You're gonna we've talked about the academies mm-hmm. and you'll play at the academies uh, probably at the club near where you near where you grow up. Uh, you'll get discovered. You might get bought by one of the bigger clubs in your country, uh, and then later will be sold to a, a club in another country. And there's an imbalance too. A country like Brazil, you know, produces thousands of soccer players, mm-hmm. uh, and so. You know whereas a country like say the United States doesn't have quite as many, and so you're gonna see Brazilians sprinkled all over the world uh in a way that you don't for a country like the u s uh just to use two examples mm-hmm. um and again, you know there's an imbalance, obviously South America does a lot of this, and a lot of them will go to Europe if there's a chance or they'll go to other places where the money may be more secure, more stable um they'll come to the united states they'll come they'll go to Asia, there's a you know for so many countries there's a there's a certain cachet to bringing in a player who's Brazilian or Argentinian. Uh, if you're European, you're more likely to stay home because the leagues are generally more stable. Mm. But sometimes there's an opportunity to cash in later in life, especially for years that for a couple of years, uh, China was really well known for this. But they for a lot of reasons, a lot of socio political and cultural reasons, they have gotten away from that. But I mean, there were some players. Playing out the tail end of the career for massive amounts of money in Shanghai, hmm. for example, okay, so um it's an inter- but it's an interesting thought about the the essential Englishness of the league, and I don't disagree entirely. I know I came off pretty strong as far <laughs> as let's bring in all the foreign refs I mean I understand the the necessity of developing English referees and having the Premier League there, but I do think there is a certain balance to be had between. Developing your own referees and also maintaining a certain level of quality, which sure. as we've seen, I
0: mean, the you know,
1: the Premier League can suffer from. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess I would also want to know what other leagues do. Is it common practice in other national leagues to employ international referees? I just don't have the experience to draw from. Uh, I
1: don't. I, I don't believe so, and I think some of that may have to do with how referees are treated, uh, whether or not they're considered full time employees. Right. Um, so sense. there's some employment elements that I, I, I think most of them, I think they all are. I mean, I'm the example I'm thinking of is, is actually in the national football league, American football, where the referees are technically part-time employees. Hmm. All of them have day jobs. Uh, you know, I mean, most of them are like high profile professions like lawyers and stuff, hmm. but um, they, yeah, they, on the weekends, they fly out to wherever their assignment is. And, you know, there they are to, there they are in black and white stripes,
0: referee, you know, hmm refereeing the nfl so (laughs) i guess my only point of reference into the lives of professional officials would be the movie forget paris with billy crystal in which billy crystal plays an nba referee (laughs) other than that i never really thought about it much
1: yeah, it's one of the things that comes up every now and again. There was, oh gosh, it was about 10 years ago now, the NFL had a case where the referees essentially went on strike. They were, or I don't know if they went on strike or they were having, they were having a contract dispute, mm. but for the first couple of weeks of the season, they played with replacement referees, and for the most part, they were okay, but they made a number of high, really high-profile errors, um, including one that essentially like, effectively changed the result of a game and in the resulting outcry the NFL very quickly settled with the referees and they were back the next right <laughs> it is it, it yeah i mean we we're, we're critical of them it is a very difficult job to do oh of course uh, what yeah, we we to there's, there's we should be we should be fair there is a certain um
0: there is there is a very high level of difficulty for. Some and it, it's so. it's one of those rare jobs that maintains a certain degree of difficulty. Whether you're all the way at the lowest level or at the highest level, like you're always, no matter what level, you're always going to have tons of people who are angry at you about whatever decision you make. <laughs> right. <All> right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's true. So, um, as far as news, uh, they mentioned during the Leicester match that Gabriel Jesus is back in training. That's good. Um, have you heard about when they might expect him to come back? Maybe as a late substitution or something?
1: No, I haven't really heard anything in particular. I mean, obviously, they're that they believe the sense is they're taking him slowly, yeah. uh, and we have we have players on the front line. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. The only game I'm really targeting, like saying to myself, what well, he really needs to be back for is the Manchester City right. game, but that's April 26th. That's literally two months from now. He, I, I, Everything I've heard says March sometime. Sure. Now, of course, March is a very long month, but everything I've heard says March of sometime. So hope, if he's training, hopefully that's
0: um that continues to be the case. Great. So uh l- tell me what happened during the draw for the Europa League um so apparently it was an hour earlier
1: than I realized <laughs> or was originally told uh. so I woke up I mean the draw I I thought the draw was scheduled for 6 a.m which is about the time I wake up anyway uh but I it, apparently it was uh, an hour earlier than that so it was 5 a.m my time but anyway what I got uh saw there was that uh Arsenal has drawn uh, Sporting Club of Portugal, or Sporting CP, who is based in Lisbon, as our opponent for the round of 16 in the Europa League. This is a decent draw. Sporting is one of the big three in Portugal. There, there are three clubs that actually are likely to win the league in Portugal any given year. Sporting is one of them. Okay. So this is a this is certainly not an easy game. Uh, it, were, it will be an easy tie. We will play in Lisbon next week, and then we'll play the second leg in London. On uh, the following week, and we can talk about the the two legged ties and total goals and all that uh, next yeah. time. Uh, but yeah, this will be a this will not be an easy one. But certainly, uh, if you look at the teams remaining in the tournament, we are on the short list of favorites to win it. So um, it will not be an easy draw. We certainly could have drawn some far far trickier ties. We could have also drawn some some much easier ones. But this is a game that I, depending on how Arteta takes it and how he thinks about the Europa League relative to the Premier League. Um,
0: I certainly think we're favored, but we should be careful. Right. All right. And what else have we found out this week? What else is going on? Uh, Fun news from shortly after we recorded uh,
1: last week, from the middle, uh, well, middle, late last week, I guess. Um, Bukayo Saka is set to sign a new long-term contract. Hooray! (laughs) How long? Um... (laughs) so uh so the right now the there are no official the last stories I have are from last week around Thursday or Friday, which they basically sort of said he is close to agreeing to terms or he has agreed to sign a contract that the terms are still being finished up uh at the very least, it'll be a substantial pay raise okay. um he, at the very least, we know he was set his contract was set to expire, they had an option through next season, which presumably they were always going to exercise. But now, of course, he is. Uh, the idea is that he will be there for longer term, and I think it says a lot about, you know, obviously where the club is in terms of where it's grown. Because uh, Sokka is truly an incredible player, sure. and he has every right to to look out for himself and and want to be in a position not just to be successful individually, which you can do really anywhere, but to but to win trophies, mm-hmm. to to go to clubs that can win the league and the Champions League, and and do all of that, and. You know, I think it does speak to where this club is from where we were just a couple years ago. We finished eighth. Um, we finished eighth, like, two years in a row. I mean, you know, t- so to go from that, where Sokka was, who was on those teams, to go from that to a team that is obviously where we are, is getting set for the Champions League next year, and that he is prepared to commit himself to, um, it's it says all good things. It says all good things. Yeah. Duh, so... So be excited about all this.
0: Okay, great. That's no, great news. So uh, in other more minor news, uh, my Arsenal jersey finally arrived today. Um, it is not as exciting. I, I probably don't sound as excited as you would think I might. Um, so I may have mentioned a few weeks ago, I went to a store in New York city where they didn't have the authentic Jersey. They just had the, the regular Jersey that while it is cheaper than the authentic, mm-hmm. it's still certainly not a cheap item for a shirt. But, um, I was able to try that on, uh, they had, this was the, uh, Pele soccer store in Times Square in New York city. They had a bunch of teams jerseys, including Arsenal. So I tried on for size and, um, I so I tried on a larger size than I thought I was actually going to need, which was the right size for me. And I thought, okay, great. I checked with the store staff and they said, yeah, the the size on the authentic should be the same as the size on the one that i tried on so even though i didn't end up buying it from them i figured great i i know which size i need and especially because i wanted uh number 11 on mine because it's customized sometimes uh, definitely from arsenal direct and, and from some other resellers uh you can't return it at that point so i wanted to get the sizing yeah. right it arrived today and it is too small <laughs>
1: and i need yeah the the build-up to that seat felt kind of obvious where this was going but yeah Yeah. that's
0: uh... yeah so i need i i I need to this happened late today i need to call the store where i got it they may accept returns possibly and but i don't i I don't know i think that this is the 2xl is what's tight on me and i'm hoping that there's some kind of mix-up like it's a youth size or something which i know isn't true because it it does stretch around me like it is not like absurdly small i can actually get into it so i don't think that's what happened but uh so yeah that's that's frustrating I, i need to find out what's going on there but but i heard that there was some other news with uh with arsenal jerseys so
1: yes there was a there is a leak uh has made its way around the internet of the at least the first two kits that arsenal will have for next year uh, relatively reliable sources. Um, So I mean, when you see images like this, you can feel pretty good that it's close to what the final design would be. Now, we should say this. I, I You have not looked at this, have no. you, right? We you that told up.
0: me that there was a leak. You okay, sent so me so the link to the leak, which is <laughs> it's so yeah, tough to enunciate. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so we'll say this. They are not real, but they are they are leading us in the right direction of what we're probably going to see. And I can tell you some bits that I, that I feel com- more confident are going to be the case. So I will let you're going to get a live reaction now <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to dove seeing the next, what, what we, what may likely be next year's case. Okay. So go I'm ahead. Clicking
0: the link. All right. Okay. Uh, not bad, not bad, so what, so, yeah, the gold is more prominent, which I'm not crazy about. That's the main reason that I didn't really consider their uh third kit, the black and gold, this year. um, I do think that it huh. will as we discussed last week uh look pretty good with a golden Premier League patch on the sleeve should it work out that way, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not bad, I think. So far, I would say that I prefer this year's. I think I like the collar. I actually noticed I really liked the style of the collar on Lester's jersey even a little bit more than the collar on ours. Theirs doesn't have a button. It's uh, it's just more of a, I don't know what you'd call it, like a a flourish, like a flourish instead of a functional collar, like it doesn't come to a full close. I kind of like the way that, that looked. Uh, this one is mm. collarless. Uh, the, the Adidas stripes on the uh, shoulder area are gold. Um yeah you know it's uh it's not bad not bad it's the kind of thing i could see it maybe growing on me a little bit and uh, as far as the away uh right now that uh, they've had jerseys around this color before i think that i've seen right
1: uh it's definitely a more of a
0: fluorescent
1: um highlighter kind of kind of yeah. yellow it's yellow as we've talked about but it's definitely more of a fluorescent so we should should say Um, that, that they are counterfeits based on predictions. Okay. So they're not official. Okay. What you're looking at. However, they are, they are based on some, uh, predictions. Uh, the general belief is the general colors are correct. Uh, some of the designs will look a little different, uh, particularly the sleeves, at least on the home. Okay. Um, and I said, the away seems to be much more, there's a, still a lot more open-ended as far as what it'll actually end up being. I, the, From what I understand, the color, the general color is right. Not sure about the design elements, okay. um, the color, and then the, the black or maybe it's a dark blue, uh, the cannon as the crest. Right. So as I understand it, that is the more accurate. Um, And I will give you a a link that sort of breaks down from someone who, let's just say this is a guy who knows these things. Okay. Uh, so I will, I will add that for you. Um, But, but yeah, that's, you know, this is the time of year where the, the kits come out. Okay. So you'll start to see leaks and stuff. And so you'll get a sense of what next year might look like. Right. Okay. So, uh, which may also mean it's a good time to go hunt, to go hunt for, uh, to go hunt for cheap versions. Of the
0: yeah. Games. I don't know. Yeah. No. yeah well we'll we'll see. i will I will let everyone know what, how how the story ends up. I may just end up since it seemed like it did fit me, I may end up in the non-authentic one for this year or something. I, I'll have to see what happens. so yeah, so yeah. Um, meanwhile, you, you showed me something uh, really interesting, if you want to talk about it uh, regarding um, uh, f- the fan uh, tribute to the victims of the earthquake in Turkey.
1: Right. So this was a, a neat little video uh, that came out of the Turkish club Besiktas, which is one of the big clubs in Tur- the Turkish League, uh, had a uh, toy toss uh, for uh, for children or earthquake victims where I believe they said it was at 4 minutes, 17 seconds of the game, which I believe was uh, symbolic. I think it was 4.17 in the morning was when the earthquake struck. Mm. Uh, they proceeded to throw toys onto the field to... Um, for, for charitable donations. And this sort of thing's been done. Uh, there are a lot of ho- uh, hockey teams and they'll do this called a teddy bear toss mm. usually around Christmas. And it always makes for a neat video of seeing all these, you know, stuffed animals flying their way onto the ice. Um, this isn't quite the same, but I, I was curious. I sent it to you in part because we've talked sort of the technological angle. I know your background a little bit in terms of uh, at least your educational background in terms of film production and the like. So I was kind of curious as to your thoughts as the... Uh, the production of the video itself as opposed to the the obvious good cause of giving children right. toys to earthquake victim
0: children which i think we can all agree is a very good <laughs> Yeah thing. no no contention there. Um yeah no it's a uh, really really interesting i definitely suggest all of our listeners uh take a look at this video it's only a minute long. Um yeah it, it's fascinating it, so you have a view that's circling repeatedly around the pitch and my my first thought, and I don't know if it was because of motion smoothing that was applied or what it was, but it looked fake. It looked like something that would have been rendered, not actually captured as a video but as as we were discussing it earlier like that that's not plausible like they they wouldn't have done that <laughs> this is this is actual video footage, so yeah, it, it must have been a drone. it just seems like a very skilled drone operator that's uh very deftly moving a drone uh, above the, the crowd in a ring over the pitch. That's uh, pretty cool. That's the kind of thing that if, uh, they ever got clearance, I could see being used in, in match coverage, you know, like, uh, just another angle instead of the rope suspended one. I don't know what the arguments are against that. It doesn't seem like any of the leagues in any professional games that I've seen do that, but that would be something that could maybe add another way of another angle, another way of presenting the game. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, with the it,
1: it'd be curious to see. I, I know those conversations have happened, um, but yeah, I'd be kind of curious to see how you um get to do that. Although I suppose this one's a little easier because it's just orbiting the field watching a particular event happen. I wonder if you run into a motion sickness problem if you start trying to track the course of the game as it
0: passes back <laughs> and forth around you, but I don't Yeah. Now we're getting beyond my technical expertise. Could be. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't think anyone would probably consider showing the whole match like that, but just kind of more as something to cut in when there's some particular action. Like for instance, if you're able to follow over the shoulder of a player as he like breaks away toward the goal or something like that, you know, where like for an mm. insert shot, you do it a little bit, but yeah, that's a, uh, I, if I, if I had to guess at, Reasons why they might not be doing it. You don't want to worry about the battery dying and the thing falls and takes out a player or something like that. When you're comparing it to the version that's on the wires, that's that's a clear advantage. You know, those aren't going to fall. It may also be motion smoothness, like you were talking about, that the wire is more stable than, you know, maybe a draft moves the drone around. Although, you know, I've seen quite a bit of drone footage that generally doesn't. I'm someone who does get motion sick. I haven't I haven't ever noticed anything like that with it. But, you know, like I said, I don't think you'd be watching it long enough to probably get sick. So, but cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, Let's let's talk about Lester. (laughs) So um, it was it was a really strong performance. It started off stronger, I think, than it ended. But, I mean, this is a match where it never really felt like Lester was any threat. I mean, they just kept on showing zero attempts, zero attempts, <laughs> zero attempts. I think they ended the first half with zero attempts on goal, and I think they ended the match with maybe, like, one. There was the one that went wide to the left of the, the goal that Ramsdale would have blocked had it been a few inches to the right and actually been headed toward the goal. So, it was... Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: so uh, so I uh, I know you sort of come across this statistic uh expected
0: goals or xG, right? You've sort of seen that. In a different context that we plan to cover later, but yes. <laughs> so so basically the
1: expected goals is an attempt at an advanced statistic which sort of says okay, based on the flow of play and how many shots and where you're taking them from, basically how many goals should be you be expected to have scored in the game. Yeah. Um Le- Lester's ex- and, and again, these calculations can be slightly different depending on how you do them. But it, w- it was pointed out someone had their, th- they found three different sources for Lester- Lester's expected goals for the game, which were um, the three different three different numbers were point uh, zero one, point zero three, <laughs> and point zero. Oh boy, that's pretty dismal. They, they they were they were dreadful. I mean, you uh, you know, one nil doesn't really feel like uh the kind of game where you can feel comfortable they looked completely toothless they yes. they did not look at all like they there was there were and, and you know it's interesting because Leicester is lester is not a bad team i mean they're sitting they're they are three points out of relegation but they're currently hold on count numbers here 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. they're 14th in the league mm-hmm so they're not exactly safe, but i mean there's there's also three you know four teams between them and relegation, so they're actually not in terrible shape, yeah, but boy, they look dire, yeah, I mean they looked really they looked just really out of their depth uh which is which was kind of a fascinating thing to uh, to see, because there is some talent on that team. There are some players in there who are actually capable. Although probably their one of their probably their most dangerous player or their their best player, uh, dangerous offensive player, midfielder James Madison was out. Right, and you could sort of there, there was sort of a sense that for Leicester, like, well, if he's out, well.
0: Ugh, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I remember the first time we played Leicester, um, I noticed that name and I made a comment about it. It's spelled with two D's instead of one D. But yeah, James Madison, one of, in the United States, one of uh, who we call our founding fathers that was uh, there at the beginning helping shape our, our system of government. So yeah, <laughs> different James Madison. but Father of the Constitution, yes. Uh, also, also a player
1: Arsenal was briefly connected with at times over the summer. Uh, he was a player I think we considered signing
0: there uh, there was another points, so. one that they had mentioned uh during the coverage i think telison or something they'd said was strongly associated with uh, arsenal y-
1: yes yuri who came Man, off right. the bench as a as a substitute uh yeah over the summer we had had a we had had some we had apparently pursued him um we obviously we didn't sign him and we picked up uh, Trossard as an attacking Belgian player. So over the Witchers, So yeah, I guess okay. that, that worked out for us. Um, you know, certainly there, yeah, there's some talent there. I mean, Harvey Barnes is a nice player. Ihanacho is a, you know, is certainly a capable player. Um, but yeah, boy, they are a long way from the team that won the league uh, back in
0: 2016, 2015, 2016. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's not that long ago. No. I mean, it was a bit of a shock when they did it, but uh, still. So... So yeah, yeah, I think the first thing that we have to talk about, I've been excited to talk to you about it, was the first almost goal of this match. So here we are in the 26th minute, and Tressard gets this like looping goal that I thought was high that looked like it was going to either bounce off the post or go over or the crossbar and almost miss the crossbar. But no, he had enough curve to it that it curved in, and it was beautiful. And then their Oh it was oh man, what a goal. <laughs> yeah, it was what a go oh, what a goal it should have been. <laughs> it was amazing. And then it was their... that
1: was that was an excellent shot. Yeah.
0: And then their keeper approaches the referee to have some words with him, and all of a sudden we start hearing the commentators talking about V A R. And if the referee has called for V A R, that very often is makes it likely that there is going to be an overturned decision. And oh my goodness, uh, did you notice the grounds on which they ended up overturning it before the commentators said it out loud?
1: I mean, so you, you got a sense, and and you sort of see because the it, it comes off a corner where the corner comes in, and the keeper kind of awkwardly punches it away. Right. And and I did see him. That's what he was complaining about. I mean, I certainly didn't catch anything live, but as you're watching the replay, you can see what's going on. And yeah, I mean, Ben White grabs his arm. Yeah, well, uh, let's let's you know, <laughs> let's not. Let's not sugarcoat what happened. No, no. So, as as they were playing
0: the replays, at first, I thought all I noticed at first, after the first maybe two or three times they showed it was just his arm kind of on the keeper's arm but then i noticed how his hand was grasping the keeper's hand and oh my gosh that was that was bad i don't know how he thought he was going to get away with that in the days of var <laughs> he would have clearly gotten away with it without well, var yeah. but <laughs> I mean, guys get away with stuff like that all the time. I mean,
1: once they get into the mixers like that, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that happens that goes uncalled. Uh, You know, frankly, it probably doesn't get called, except for that it ends up leading very quickly to a goal. Uh, The keeper punches it out. I forget who picked it up, but they make the pass to Trussard. He takes a couple steps and, and puts in the shot and actually scores the goal. And because it all happens in that sequence um that's what that's why you draw to that but if the ball is then later you know if the keeper punches it away and then it's cleared out to midfield and arsenal resets you know nobody would notice it so in a sense because the goal came so quickly that's partly how it gets noticed uh also i mean you know and and a few arsenal fans have pointed this out earlier in the season i think it was against Aston villa i mean there was a play where ramsdale gets manhandled on a corner kick that comes in, it winds up going into the net because he can't make a play on the ball, and no call is made. Hmm. So, you know, in the sense of the consistency of officiating, I mean, I can see the complaint, um, and we can quite quite literally say that if that had happened to Ramsdale on the other end, we would be livid because we were about that play earlier. Oh, right. To say nothing of the penalty that, to say nothing of the penalty that wasn't called a few minutes later when Saka was very clearly dragged down in the box. Uh, And no call was made, uh, which was which was pretty bad. But uh, uh, (laughs) Zaka. Yep. I mean, I hate you hate to say it that way because it almost makes it. It's not his fault. You say with a sigh, and it's the way we. (laughs) Right. It's it's the way we all talked about Granite Zaka last year. Like, oh Zaka, oh again, continues to be very good. Um. But yeah, yeah. It. uh, I. I don't. What do you even say at this yeah. point? What do you even say? Like what? What? what seriously? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was gonna say, as they say in another sport, overall, ball don't lie, and uh, the we got a de- we got a deserved result, a uh, deserved goal, and a deserved result. Either way, yeah. I mean, you know, we t- you talked about this. You know, one nil doesn't feel that doesn't feel that dominant, but you know, in another world, this game is easily three mm-hmm. 0 Like this, this is easily a route. and so. I, I, I'm i frustrated by some of those calls, but at the same time, yeah, you, you look back at the game and go, Lester had no, Leicester had no chance. They, they didn't really look like they were. No. They didn't look like they were pushing for it. And the defense, which has been, let's be honest, has had some shaky moments the last few weeks, played really well. I mean, yeah. and a lot of that credit goes to the center backs and, and all the defenders but overall they played really well
0: yeah no it was, it was interesting seeing this lineup with Trossard and Martinelli on the pitch at the same time that that's something we hadn't seen before usually one is subbed for the other uh that was that was an interesting dynamic they didn't bring Enkedia in, in until later um I think it seems like yeah. it worked well
1: I I think a lot of that was uh, it, some of that I think was due to giving Enkedia a rest yeah um But I think also there's a little bit of a sense of just trying something a bit different. The sense was that Trossard was going to play in the middle, but I felt he was out wide a lot more. Hmm. Um, But I think it's just the idea that we can do something different. We have been getting, and you hear some commentary in the last few games, we have gotten a little static, a little predictable. Um, You know, and Arteta is very dogmatic. He has the way he wants Arsenal to play, and we should be about dictating the game. And I don't disagree with that overall but it's also good sometimes to swap it up not just for your own players but also just for the the sake of showing something different giving the opponents something different to look at and i think we did I, I was i was pretty happy to see Trussard and Martinelli uh up top like that uh and you know I, someone pointed this out in barely really doesn't play much at all in the first half of the season and then since the world cup he has played every minute of every right. game and so you got to think that's a does a weird thing to his you know, it's a tough thing to sort of put your body through. And so maybe he just needs a breather. Um, yep. And, you know, from here on out, for the next couple of weeks, we're looking at two games a week. And if we continue to advance in the Europa League, we're looking at two games a week. Um, Yeah, we've got two games a week for the next three weeks. We hit the international break, and then we'll sort of see how the Europa League plays out from there. But it's it's going to be crowded, and we're going to need guys to be able to step into different situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so just a couple other small notes from the match. Um, so <laughs> we were, we opened up talking about uh, replays and the way that I formed this thought, like, oh, it has to be because of when I'm watching the replay that the halftime um, gets truncated was because I did that this time. I said, Siri, skip forward 15 minutes and all of a sudden I'm in the 52nd minute of play watching Martinelli writhing on the ground. <laughs> um or no it wasn't oh so you even missed the goal well so that's the thing i was lucky in the past when i've accidentally skipped too far forward around halftime i've had the results spoiled for me i managed not to see the score (laughs) this time so i only saw him writhing i didn't know what led to that so yeah then i saw him what a beautiful shot the way he caught that far corner that was uh really something but yeah that's uh uh it it was Henri-esque. If you was, want, if you want yeah, to know what it was like, what Thierry Henri, that, yeah. it was
1: scoring goals like that. Yeah, yeah it, it. You know, there. I mean. <laughs> Gabriel Martinelli is not Thierry no on <laughs> Henry, But it was a lot
0: of fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. It was another one where after the first two or three replays, I didn't see anything that led to him going down until finally I saw an angle where you could see the studs from the player that was uh, trying to block him just landed on his calf
1: yeah. in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. and DD steps on and DD steps on him. I think accidentally. It I it don't seemed I like don't like it. Yeah. Like it's yeah, I mean, that's a, that's sort of a tough position to all be in, but it's, um, yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, it, it, he was okay. That was kind of the dangerous thing. You see him go down with his knee. Oh, God, oh, God, what are we going to do? And it turns out he was fine, yeah.
0: so, or, you know, he's, he's okay, so. There's plenty of that to go around in this match. <laughs> we had a bunch of injuries that looked really severe, but they ended up coming back. Although, the one player from Leicester who went down severely, seemed, I think he did end up staying out for the last like 10 minutes or so. Am I remembering that wrong? I don't remember noticing him coming back. Um, I I don't remember who the player was, but I do. Yeah, I do remember a Lester player going down for a bit. I mean,
1: sometimes it's just, you know, the, the, the training staff goes out there and they tell them not to move. Right. Um, sometimes it's a little bit of time wasting, but sometimes it's also, they want to make sure they check what it is. They have something they want to check. Right. They don't go move. We need to make sure you're okay. um, it, it, that, yeah, those are just the sort of things you're never really going to know for right. all kinds of health related yeah, reasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean it is interesting how many times too. guys he did a little bit too. I was a little surprised that they left him on for the full ninety, especially given uh, late in the game. We of course saw the 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 glorious return of Thomas Party, which sort of yeah. it was a little not that we were uncertain as we talk about Lester, not very good, but it felt like things were getting a little loose out there and having party on just really kind of just settled the game down and and from there we we finished things off right. i i felt at that point without much more without much much to do
0: yeah no and it also just seemed like throughout this match we'd been talking last week about dueling and just losing the duels and it seemed like this time that didn't happen they were winning most of those when they needed to and it just overall the whole game was going in their favor pretty much consistently so
1: Yeah, and it wasn't, and we we probably even shouldn't say it as the game was going in their favor in a you know nice and passive way. Sorry, I'm a teacher, but (laughs) you know really that Arsenal took Arsenal took the game. Mm -hmm. They they were aggressive and they were forward. We could say maybe they were a little uh, wasteful in terms of their possession around the box in the first half, but I mean overall, I thought we played. We overall we dominated the game and in in a way that was, uh, you know. In terms of an overall performance, we sort of talked with the Villa game last week. They were not great in the first half, much better in the second half. This was the second half of the Villa game, and they they've sort of kept going with that. And so this was a good performance, uh, especially given shortly afterward, uh, City just hammered Bournemouth. So uh, you know, big big surprise there. <laughs> mm, so yeah. uh, the gap remains. The gap remains close. Uh, we have a two point edge with a game in hand. Right.
0: So. So yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. It was it was fun to watch. There, there were some great moments, some frustrating, uh, some frustrating reversals of goals that we scored. But and what can you do? A uh, couple small questions. Um, I don't know if you know the hmm. one player in Leicester. His name is Ian Nacho. I think I am pronouncing that right. He had dots under two of the vowels in his name. Do you know what language that is? I haven't noticed that before in a Latin based uh, lang- like alphabet language
1: yeah he is yeah ihanacho is is nigerian okay uh and so actually that is uh i believe it's pronounced igbo or igbo uh one of the language languages or the peoples native uh peoples from nigeria from southern nigeria so um and you are seeing that increasingly in a lot of sports the the addition of the uh, sort of the additional accent marks and i think they're called diacriticals like all yes. the sort of little uh flourishes that go with other languages i mean you saw, you know martin odegaard with the yeah. uh, the o with the slash through it which i know has an actual name but i don't know what it is um you know <laughs> like you're seeing increasing that in, in a lot of leagues you see a lot in the u.s in baseball seeing uh accent marks and tildes for a lot of latin players on their names. And so there, there is uh, a movement in that direction. And so uh, it's, I do believe that is more of an African thing in particular, and in this case, particularly he's, he is Nigerian. And so the, the okay. Igbo uh, people and their language,
0: yeah. or I should, yeah, the, the the Igbo language of the Igbo people. Okay. Um, something else that it's something that I'd kind of been noticing, but not consciously for a while, this, this whole season these British and I think typically maybe English um, commentators will use the term ball much of the time where I might use the word pass. Oh, that was a good ball. Clever ball to Odegaard. Like, you know, whatever they're saying, they'll like, they'll say ball instead of pass. Does pass mean something different or is it just not in as common use? Do you know what's going on with that?
1: I think it's just one of those sort of terms or, or stylistic things that's sort of been picked up by everybody. Because I, I, I wouldn't have thought much about it, and then I saw your comment go, yeah, yeah I say that too. Um, I think that just sort of comes into the language of the game and mm-hmm. how you speak about it. But yeah, it's I think it, if you were to stretch out the whole phrase, it would be he sent a, a good ball through. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it, we're taking out the word pass, but we're using more words to describe that. But then when you truncate that while speaking, good ball, clever ball, uh, you know, it just becomes kind of a quicker, tighter way to say that. Uh, but it, it, you're, you're right. It doesn't mean pass. Yeah. That's really
0: all it means. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't know if maybe pass was reserved for something else and that like something akin to how they wouldn't say tie, they say draw because tie does mean something else in that context. I didn't know if it was something similar.
1: Uh, not to my, not to my knowledge, it does. Okay. It, so.
0: Cool. So yeah, it was a good match, uh, fun to watch. Um, something else happened this weekend that uh we'll spend the rest of the the show talking about. That was interesting. So, uh, two worlds collided for me this weekend when my Apple fandom met my soccer fandom, and we had the premiere of the United States National League Major League Soccer on Apple TV Plus. Um, I had not been planning on subscribing to MLS. I think following one professional sports team at this point in my life is enough for me. Um, So I I was not going to pay to subscribe to watch these matches on Apple TV+. Plus. But as someone who's been a fan of Apple and following Apple for a long, long time at this point, um, I was also, and, and especially being a soccer fan, I was really curious to see what their coverage would be like. And, uh, luckily for me, their initial weekend of matches was, uh, streamed free to anyone who who wanted to watch. So that's what I did. Um, I watched one match on Saturday. I was uh home alone and able to kind of watch. I, I watched a, a bunch of it, um, with my full attention, but then kind of left, uh, maybe two thirds of the match just on and in, in the background while I was doing something else, just kind of enough to get a feel for it. Um, it was, so, I the, the match that I would have preferred to watch. I, so surveying the teams in major league soccer, which I'd never really paid much attention to before. Um, one particular team caught my attention. I really just liked the name. However, they didn't have a match that was Saturday or Sunday this week. And those were the games that were streaming free. So I didn't get to watch them play, but the Chicago fire, I think is a great name for a team Mm. Uh, having been born in the Chicago suburbs and lived there for a while. um, I studied a little bit of Chicago history and you know, the the Chicago fire was a tragic (laughs) event in Chicago's history, but I think it's uh, not too soon to, uh, to name a sporting team after that. I think it's a it's a cool name. Um, And so given, you know, my my past in the area and liking the name of that team, that's who I would have watched. But given that that wasn't an option, um, I picked the team that was playing this weekend that was closest to where I live now. And I decided I would watch the New York City fo- Football Club, uh, NYCFC. And they happen to be playing uh, Nashville SC, which <laughs> it's uh, an Americanization. It's funny seeing in MLS that you have FCs and SCs, so football clubs and soccer clubs. Uh, different, different teams have gone different directions. But uh, I I was amused to find out that you watched that particular match this weekend, also, right?
1: Yes, so I'll 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 throw a few bits out there. Um, so Chicago Fire is an interesting name. Uh, they've they've recently had some weird issues changing their logo. One of the previous ones they used, they used for most of their existence, was clearly very based on the, the logo of the fire department. Uh, so they call it the Florian Cross, uh, or that wide kind of cross that you see. And it, to the point where when players were traveling somewhere, people would ask them if they were firefighters. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so they, they, they have since changed it to something that's a little less, a little more Chicago, a little less fire, if you, if,
0: if you can take that. Right. Um, it, it resembles the Chicago did, flag. Like it has a star in it that's kind of similar yes. to the Chicago star, and it's in the colors of the Chicago flag. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Uh, so I I've watched it because I I know I've mentioned this on this podcast before. I was a I am a founding member and was an original season ticket holder for New York City when they came into the league back in twenty fifteen was their first season. Uh, so I I have a year and a half under my belt of uh, the bleachers at Yankee Stadium watching watching the boys in blue. Yeah. Uh, the twenty twenty one MLS Cup champions, by the way. Ah. Okay. Uh, the 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 interesting connection there is that they are part of the city football group which means they are owned by the same people the same uh middle eastern conglomerate that owns manchester city which is why they wear yeah. the same sky blue and why their name is city oh, um, okay. some people find that incongruous some people find that incongruous to support new york city and a, a not manchester city i don't have a problem with it cuz i don't care yeah. uh, and i've been watching arsenal for very long for, for, <laughs> for, a, for a while now so um so i was watching new york city uh but yeah it was interesting so that game was simulcast both on apple and on over the air on fox and actually i ended up because of for for various reasons i ended up watching the first half of the game on fox before pulling up the the apple tv to watch the second half uh on apple um we don't need to get into the game in depth i have thoughts about it as a new york city fan <laughs> but they they lost two nil uh we don't need to get into that too much right. it's interesting you talk about um and we can, we can come back to this as well as far as tracking you know it's sort of what we talked about with with england right sometimes it's easier not to try to follow the league but to really pick a team to latch onto and sort of follow them through right uh the season and it gives you a greater sense of all of that and we can We can come back to that as well. As far as you picking an MLS team, I won't necessarily say who you should support. I'll simply tell
0: you perhaps some teams you
1: shouldn't support, but we can talk about
0: that later. Um, Yeah. I mean, so let's, let's talk about the experience. I agree. Like the details of a game aren't really relevant and, you know, we can, we could spend a long time. (laughs) And frankly, it wasn't a very, it wasn't a very good game either. Let's not kid ourselves. That's, that's one thing is just like an overall impression was these guys looked like amateurs but bo- on both sides like i'm not even just saying like just one team or the other like just the level of play seemed to me after watching you know 20 some odd matches from the premier league now and and europa but i you know, mainly arsenal and europa um it just it just seemed like a lower level of play it just seemed like they were making tons of mistakes like you might see world cup teams playing that have never played together before but that i've never seen club club teams like clubs playing make those same types of mistakes or just sloppiness and just so so yeah. yeah
1: so there yeah there there are two there are two pieces that one is that this was the season opener and mm-hmm. the first games are always weird and guys in new york city in particular has had a ton of roster turnover so okay. they were they were a mess in part because of because of that um but also you know I, the, the best way to describe that is you have been eating filet mignon for the last <laughs> six months, and now you have been handed a hamburger. Right. <laughs> it's not—I mean, it's not that drastic. But I mean, we we say the Premier League is the best league in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I love MLS. I, I support MLS. I want the American League to be good. It's it, this is all. It's important to me that American soccer grows. But we know where we stand in the pecking <laughs> order. None of these, te- none of these teams, the- any of these teams would be run off the field by Arsenal. Um, yeah, maybe a couple of them might be able to put up a decent fight. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you're, you are consistently watching one of the best teams in the world. And now you're switching over to a league that is not that. And that's just, yeah, I, I, I was going to ask that at some point. But yes, there's definitely a bit right. of a... It's definitely a, a different kind of environment, different kind of atmosphere. I mean, there's a lot of Americanisms that make their way in. You know, things that are much more American in style, uh, which are kind of fun. You know, it's it, it the idea that the sport is similar everywhere; it's played by roughly the same rules, but
0: there are certain things that make it unique to where it's being played. Like, like, what can you think of one one good example?
1: well for well, for example, uh, we sort of talk about this um you know in, in in England, especially and we've seen this in other European countries too. the tradition is towards fans singing right we talked about the saliba song, uh you know we've got super Mick Arteta, mm-hmm. um we all follow the arsenal uh and it's Arsenal, uh, by far the greatest team. Uh, We've talked about all those songs. In America, they do the songs too, and I've got a few for New York City that I, at least that I knew when I I was there at a game. It's been few years since I attended a game in the Bronx, so I attended, yeah. they've added a bunch of new ones I don't know, but but you see they also chant a lot more, which yes. is a very American thing. Much more American.
0: Yeah, there there's one that I thought was hilarious that they they did and this and we should mention to anyone who, who didn't watch this, uh this was NYCFC versus Nashville in Nashville, which was something I did have a question about too. But so these Nashville fans would be cheering, you can't do that and it's just it's kind of funny like you would expect that at a baseball game or a football game american football something like that um but yeah it it was funny like it, it did stand out compared to what i am used to now with with english football so yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's a similar environment but it's also different in a lot of interesting ways and i mean new york city also has a lot of uh yeah, because of the nature of New York City, definitely has a bit more of a Hispanic flair. I mean, there's a lot of English styles, uh, but there's also like there were a few songs we sung that were only in Spanish. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, the vamos celestes esta noche tenemos que ganar. Yeah, let's go, let's go sky, let's go sky blues. Uh, right tonight we have to tonight we're going to win we have to win so like yeah i mean you you won't see that so much and you wouldn't see that in england but yeah um you know and and a lot of that's drawn and and i I mean i used to be in the stands i talked to these people you know people whose whose soccer heritage is from mexico or argentina or paraguay you know they're very latin very south american style or latin american style which is obviously its own culture sure
0: so, yeah, so some uh, some specific notes and comments and questions about this experience. So, so the first thing that bothered me was whenever I've seen times for an Arsenal match, or I think even for World Cup that I was going to be watching, the time listed was kickoff. For this match for NYCFC, I'm seeing it was like 425, which I thought was a little odd that it wasn't at the top of even a half hour <laughs> but okay i showed up at 425 and that was when the pregame coverage started and the kickoff wasn't until like you know 35 minutes later or something so that that was a little frustrating um knowing that i could have shown up later when i would have suited me actually better on that particular day to show up <laughs> later but um I was also curious, given the wide uh, degree of variance in climate in the United States, as, as we record right now, you were telling me it was 86 degrees Fahrenheit, I believe, in Houston, right? And Yeah, that, that was the high today. Yeah, yeah. And here now, as we record, it is... 32 degrees and we are getting our first major snowfall in uh, New York for this for this winter it was it was it was actually a, an admittedly mild winter here. But yeah, so um, there's a wide range of temperatures across this country that we live in. And is it a coincidence that this match was in Nashville or do they intentionally schedule the earlier games in the season further south to whatever degree possible. I mean, it was as this game was happening, it was like 20 degrees up here. And, you know, I'm, I'm upstate from New York City, but not by that much. If it's 20 here, it's not going to be above 25 or 30 down in the city.
1: Uh, so, the, yeah, there is um, th- there is some effort made. I, I've read a number of articles over the years about like how leagues make their schedules, because I find that sort of thing fascinating mm-hmm. because a bit of a nerd but uh, (laughs) there is certainly an effort early in the season to put games to to, there's all sorts of weird things that go into scheduling and especially an outdoor sport like like soccer you know for the americans you know the british soccer european soccer schedule runs from august to may sort of concurrent with the school year you know an academic calendar Mm -hmm. um the American soccer calendar actually runs concurrent with baseball. It really starts here in the late winter, early spring, February, March, and will run until uh, they'll have the playoffs in, I think, November uh, or right around there. MLS Cup could be anywhere from from, Nove- from November into early December. Yeah. Uh, so it runs more along the calendar year. And, yeah, you have to sort of be aware of that, uh, especially in the early part of the season or in the middle part of the season, um, depending on which part of the country you're in. Uh, the temperatures and yeah, the U.S. is going to have a much greater variation in terms of temperatures. And there's a lot of people who sort of say, oh, they they really would like the U.S. to switch to that uh, more academic calendar year. But then look at where the teams are be- playing and like, well, yeah, New York, New England seattle minnesota like you don't you don't want to play in these no. places outdoors in january no, then you've that's got a terrible the, idea. right
0: then you've got the whole winter not just the tail end of it yeah no that would be bad. exactly <laughs>
1: so i mean and that's just and that's just a, a uh, um it's just a concession to the weather so yeah i think there is a certain effort made uh, another bit that goes into it for new york city's case is uh currently their home stadium is yankee stadium mm-hmm. uh which is you may or may not know from Hopefully, you all might know from the name. They are not the primary tenants of Yankee <laughs> Stadium. And when the Yankees have a game, and and, and I've, I've seen all this, um, basically, the, the grounds crew has basically said, we need three days between a baseball and a soccer game to do the full field changeover and let the grass set in. Wow! So it really limits where you can hold games. Now, New York City has gotten around this in part because they will play some games actually at the Met Stadium, City Field over in Queens. Uh, but they've been a bit nomadic. They played a couple games in Hartford. They played a few games at uh, uh, their their local rivals, New York Red Bulls, who have their own stadium uh, outside of Newark, New Jersey. Um, But so there's a little bit of an element to that, too, that when you're in New York City, you play home games when you can get home games, but also they can't play in February in New York. I I mean, you could, but it's not ideal. Well, I say you could. I mean, the, the Yankees have all their their desires about how their stadium should look and the condition of the grass and everything, and what they do for it to prep for the baseball season this time of year. So you're not going to get a lot of home games. So yeah. they were in Nashville, although they're going they're going to be in Chicago on this this weekend. Oh so. boy,
0: yeah, chilly still. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the and the fire I believe play at uh, Soldier Field. So right, which is a more natural, fit. so a different. <laughs>
1: It's a yeah, and it's a and it's it's definitely more of the same style, but also you know it's natural grass, but also um, you know it is is it, yeah it's definitely a little more conducive to that, and also that it's primary tenant the Bears are off season, so mm-hmm.
0: well yeah those both reasons make a lot of sense to share with a football team, not a baseball team, <laughs> but yeah I guess they right. made whatever arrangements make sense for them, but uh so so next next question I noticed the referees were wearing this bold like highlighter pink we were talking about highlighter yellow for the the leaked uh away jerseys for arsenal but this is like a highlighter pink like a bold deep pink that the referees were wearing in this game do you was there any particular reason <laughs> that that seemed strange and like it drew an unnecessary amount of attention to them
1: uh i mean so the, so any leagues going to have a set of referee kits right. that
0: they'll choose from. And the goal
1: is that they can't clash with either of the teams. Right. And you saw, you know, city was in blue and Nashville was in black. I mean, black and blue are two common referee colors. Okay. Uh, that's true. So I, that's you know, true. they have a few options. And so the goal is it just not supposed to clash. Okay. Um, so this may so be their Jersey of last I mean, resort.
0: <laughs> well i don't i don't i don't
1: know how those are necessarily (laughs) chosen i mean i suspect they have they have options and i mean it's it's all so like in england each of the clubs makes their own deals mls everything is outfitted by adidas it is all adidas oh okay so every, cl- every club has Adidas jerseys. The referees have Adidas jerseys. Uh, referees have Adidas shirts. Adidas makes the balls. It's all Adidas. Interesting. So, yeah. They, yeah. So it, it, there's a lot of interesting bits and bobs to that. But I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, Adidas has given them. And, you know, the the Premier League has a deal with some manufacturer for their referee kits. And it's just a case of they have a set series of colors and they choose from them. Uh, based on what the teams are wearing so that they don't clash right. that's all that is okay um and they determined for whatever reason that the the pink was the the least was the the greatest clash between both of them so they were because they have to be easy to spot you right to see the referee right
0: okay the other one one design note on the jerseys that i thought was really nice was um the MLS patch on their shoulders was color-coordinated with the jerseys. So, you know, we, we talked about it last week, how, well, Manchester City has the gold one, everyone else has purple, but everybody's patches, aside from the gold one, they're all the exact same patch, like white background, purple foreground for everybody. Um, I thought it was a nice touch that, like, you know, the the black MLS jersey had a a kind of subtly different black, but it was it, it basically made it not as prominent, but it, it went more with the jersey. It just kind of blended in more with the jersey and NYCFC. They were able to do just kind of a a similar monotone and a different color. Um I thought that was that was nice and different. That was interesting. Um yeah, ML, MLS will do that—the color coordinated
1: uh, league badges. That's a that's a choice they've made. It does. I mean, I I'm I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. I think I think both of them look good. I part of me kind of likes the idea of the of the the league's logo being the same for everybody and kind of standing out that way. But also, like, I get the appeal mm-hmm. of having the the team color logo as well. Oh, so sure. it, you know, it's it's definitely
0: a yeah. Um, I, I was curious, they were talking about something related to wild cards and playoffs. And, and so I wanted to ask you, what is the structure of the play over an MLS season compared to the premier league? We know with the premier league, it's, it's basically match points and whoever wins the most over the course of a season is the winner versus most sports in America where you have your regular season play that at most determines seating when it comes to a final end of season tournament, um, is MLS like some kind of hybrid? Cause it did, it did, they were talking about Nashville getting three points for, for the match this weekend, but then they were talking about playoffs. What's the deal there?
1: So, so yeah, the, the, um, it it is run like an American league where they have a regular season, which is essentially seeding for the postseason. Okay, uh, the standings are determined by points, just like you see in in any other soccer league: three for a win, one for a draw. Um, there there is a trophy called the supporter shield, which goes to the team that basically has the be- has the best record, gets the most points. And there are some fans who think that that is in some ways more indicative of the best team. Huh the difference between mls and, and others is you know the premier league has 20 teams mls currently has 29 oh wow and so it is a much larger league geographically it's much larger sure and obviously just based on the size of the united states right. and so you you do not it has been a long time and the league has grown rapidly over the last 15 years i mean they they actually contracted a couple of teams um Gosh, like I want to say, around two thousand, two thousand one. Hmm. Um, they they were they were in tough financial shape for a while, but they that was I guess it was twenty 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 five years ago now. At this point, but um, yeah, yeah, they they the MLS is an unbalanced schedule. They have separate conferences. So, for the case of I'll use New York City, as an example, we will play everyone in the Eastern Conference home and away, and then a handful of teams from the West. Uh, so that's how your schedule gets set up. So you're not going to play everybody during the season. Oh, okay. So I, to my mind, so to my mind, the supporter Shield is a nice trophy to win, but you know, it's because you don't play everybody. You right. can't re- to me, it doesn't accurately represent, um, especially given how how easy it is. I say easy in quotes. <laughs> you know, to avoid perhaps some of the better teams that you would play out of, say out of the other conference. I just looking through like New York city, our first game against a Western conference team is actually going to be at the end of March. They're going to play Houston. Um, Houston's terrible, yeah. <laughs> they're, they, but they're going to play Houston, but they won't, for example, play LAFC who won the, won the cup last year. So like it, the schedule is unbalanced. It can be quite substantially. And so yeah, to me, it's not really a fair thing to say. Um, to, to me, it, it is more accurate to say—it it, it isn't the most accurate thing to say. Uh, so they'll play a regular season, which will set up a postseason. A postseason format, I should add, that was only fi- officially finalized— uh on Wednesday of last week were officially announced that MLS has this really interesting habit of changing a lot of things on the fly. The the league has really spent a lot of time trying to find itself. We could do a whole other thing on hmm. uh the phrase that's so MLS. <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's uh it's a fun league. It's a weird league in a lot of ways, because it's still it's sort, of sort of trying to find itself, but that yes, it's a post-season format, they'll have um, wild cards and it, just the same way as any other yeah. American
0: professional league, okay.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that when you talk, they about also, the they, shield, we but, should also, yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna say, we should also add, they actually do have two other competitions. There is a FA Cup style knockout tournament called the US Open Cup, hmm. which is the second longest continually held, well, almost continually because they lost a couple of years with COVID but the second oldest uh, National Cup competition in the world after the FA Cup.
0: Huh, okay.
1: And so it's actually been around since like 1912. It's actually been around oh, wow. for a long time. Uh, and they they also, this year, they're starting a tournament called the Leagues Cup. Uh, basically from the middle of July to the middle of August, MLS will stop their season. And all of the teams from uh, MLS and Liga MX, that is the Mexican League, will play in this World Cup-style tournament with a group stage and knockout tournament, um, which is that they are just starting it this year. Huh. It's going to be really weird, but uh, the New York City has been drawn into a group with uh, Toronto and also Atlas, who's a, the Mexican team. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, and that'll happen in July. <laughs> so yeah. why not?
0: Um, so that's like a North American Cup, basically.
1: That will end up being a North American tournament. There is also the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah. CONCACAF being the region that controls North America, uh, where the top MLS teams will play for the Continental title. Uh the the Seattle Sounders, uh from the MLS were the first won it last year. Actually, they're the first MLS team to win that trophy in like twenty years. Hmm. Um so it's a it's an interesting sort of um there's a lot of layers to how to to how all that works. Uh, you know, I'm not paying attention to Concacaf Champions League this year because New York City didn't qualify, <laughs> so I don't care. But yeah, uh, much like the UEFA Champions League, Arsenal's not in it, so right, yeah,
0: whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, getting back for a second to the supporter Shield, uh, that sounds to me mm-hmm. kind of like winning your conference almost more than winning the league in terms of what it actually means.
1: Uh, so it, 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 well, it, it it does represent, it is given to the team that has the most points, right? So it is, it is given to the team with the best overall record in the league, but does sort of have like the best it does is it gives you, you're the number one overall seed in the playoffs. I mean, LAFC won it last year, right? LAFC won it last year. And then as it turned out, they played the, the top team in the Eastern conference, uh, Philadelphia, the two of them met for the MLS cup. The game was played in Los Angeles because they were, they had the, they had the best record. Actually, they tied on points, but L.A. won a tiebreaker. So,
0: okay, yeah, I guess if but if your points that you win during league play mostly are won in opposition to other teams in your conference, that's where to me it's kind of more like, well, okay, you're definitely the best of your conference. And then we'll use the playoffs to determine who really is the best across conferences, maybe.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it, it. And there's a we can we can dive into this another time. The deep philosophical debate of what is the point of the league season is it determine the best team is the best team, the team with the best record is it the team that wins a tournament at the right. end, which you know can be its own all sorts of weirdness that goes into that. I mean that that's a that's a deep philosophical conversation, which I know we've been running for a little while, so perhaps you want to hold off for another time. <laughs> Probably a good call. Um, but yes. <laughs> But yes, I guess I guess a lot of it depends on how deeply you decide you would like to get into MLS. And again, we might have to do another podcast for that one, frankly. That's that's Maybe. a whole thing.
0: Yeah.
1: That's and it, but again, because it's American, it's a slightly different environment, a slightly different world uh, than than the English league. But I, you know, that to me, that's part of what makes the game. The game is the same, but it, there's so many of that, so much of that national or regional variation that kind of makes it fun and interesting.
0: Yeah. Give me something to think about. I I, I had been pretty firmly against it. I'm maybe slightly less so, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> so uh so tell me uh, what's coming up next week. All right, so next week we're I said uh for the for
1: as we head to March, which holy cow, it's March. I soon. know. Um we're we're for the rest of March until the international break, we have two games a week. Uh, for this week, two games. First is the game in hand. Uh, that is, we've we've played one fewer game than Manchester City. We get that back finally. Everton at home. Uh, this was the game that was rescheduled after the Queen's death. Okay. But Everton at home on Wednesday. Uh, hopefully a better showing than we had at Goodison Park. Um, I think it'd be really valuable, and this was some of the analysis I'd heard, it'd be really valuable for us to get an early goal and really just sort of force Everton to open up a little bit. I think that could that because in spite of the performance they put on and the fact they've been better since uh Sean Dyche took over they still stink and we should okay. still beat them. Um and then Saturday morning at home against Bournemouth. Um Bournemouth uh, we we handled our business against them pretty well earlier in the season and Bournemouth is currently in 19th place um likely to be relegated so again well, I mean, you know, Everton's right now in 18th. So right now, we're about to face two teams that, if the season ended today, would be would be sent down. So this is definitely a week where we need six points. Because um, after the weekend, we will be even on games with Manchester City, and you know, I mean, we have a chance if we pick up all six points, we would be at least. We're currently two points ahead of them. We could be at least five ahead heading into uh heading into the after the first week of march which would be a heck of a place to be yeah definitely if, if we could do it
0: yeah all right, well, that sounds good. Uh, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we really appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. And if you feel like it, we'd really, really appreciate it if you could give us a rating or review on iTunes, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. Uh, that would help new listeners find our show. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you do want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner You super fan to download a raw, unedited recording right away, and you can start a free trial on Apple Podcasts for that. Again, my name is Dove And you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel And with me as always is Keith And you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches When he's up to it
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll i be back I'll be back this week, that's the plan Alright, next time, Keith, see you later Until next time